Hey, I'm Fuzz. I'm Joel. Welcome to Fags and Fendi. And we're here to talk about life, relationships, and what it is to be a queer person of color in Australia. He said it all. Welcome to episode three of Fags and Fendi. I'm sitting across from a fag. <laughs> and I feel like I haven't seen you in a long time. Well, I've been gone. I've been gone for a while. So I was in Fiji, for those of you that um, that would like to know. I went back to the homeland to reset and reboot. So I'm here full of ideas and thoughts. Yes. What but, are these ideas? No, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's stop for a minute. Let's go back to you. You also went away yes. while I was gone. You went to Perth. I've had a journey of a lifetime. We will get into that. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that one. I'm just still kind of like, we'll see how we get it. It's a process. It's a process. But you got it's to actually see- very good timing, I must say. It was... Kind of like we did a few episodes and we were talking about this launch and everything's fallen into place. For those of you that don't know, or you probably don't because we're recording this as we're about to launch. (laughs) (laughs) But we were supposed to launch this podcast a little bit earlier and we had to delay it because of a particular journey um, that Joel has gone through, which actually lends itself to our conversation today. Because, bitch, do you know what I want to talk about? (laughs) I want to talk about the manly sea eagles. (laughs) Yes. I was let's, catching up on even more updates on the way here. Oh, so. look, let's let's have a moment because I think that let's this have is... a moment of silence for the stupidity. hundred <laughs> percent. Let's bring so out let's our raises. Like five seconds. Okay. All I'm saying is this: I think that basically what we'll be talking about today is we'll be talking about queerness as it relates to yeah. family culture. And we'll touch on religion, but religion is going to be a thing all in its own. But let's focus on some some culture yeah. today. Yeah, I think it, it's funny. Like every week we record this, and every week something crops up, yeah. and it seems to be on theme with what we want to speak about. We've got too many to speak. We got so many things to touch on, but we'll try and keep it kind of where we wanted to. Absolutely. Like okay, so I mean, I you know. So this, what's happened anyway in the world? Well, like, I mean, well, the news that came out basically about the Manly Seagulls was that they decided that they would not, and it's become world news. Yeah. Uh, the Manly Seagulls decided to put like these very, very minor um, rainbow yep. inclusions on their on their traditional jersey, which usually is, has two white lines. Um, the purpose of this, uh, according to their management, was that they wanted to promote the inclusion of LGBT people within the sport of NRL. You know, and of course, as we know, sport, you know, particularly sports that are very, very closely linked to ideas and traditional ideas of masculinity are not spaces where queer people have always been welcome. Um, and it's very hard. You still hear like, to oh. say this, eye contact never gets easier. I mean, like, honestly, I'm looking at your eyebrows and that disturbs me, but like, we're still I'm trying here. to just examine what's changed in a week. But, you know, <laughs> we won't get into that. Oh, today. I've gotten fat, but it is what it is. You know, fat pride is a thing. But Go you. Yes. <laughs> But can I just say, like, honestly, I'm absolutely, you know, I I am personally sort of affected by this because I am a person of the islands. I'm 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 Fijian. I'm a I'm a Pacifica person. Um, I have great sort of. I grew up in the islands, um, and so to see that, you know, many of the players who who have a who have taken issue um, with this particular. You know, this symbol of inclusion. It's not even like so does uh, the six players consist of all islanders or I believe so from what I've seen. So it, it consists of Pacifica people or people of Pacific origin, people who are half Pacifica, whatever. But basically, I mean, even if you were just to like boil it down to the fact that they're all essentially people of uh who 
originate from migrant populations who originate who who are all people of color you know it it kind of it gets me thinking about like okay well you know what is happening in our communities and that's why these conversations are important because a lot of the time queer people of color and this is what we said at the very beginning are presented with a very particular set of difficulties and challenges that other people and queer people are not faced with and one of those things is culture so culture is one of the things that was cited as the reason why they would not sort of wear these um these these jerseys and i was i was disturbed by this because i was listening to um another very well-known um influencer queer influencer out in the world on instagram denny whose instagram is styled by denny pointed out which is very true that those same jerseys uh, contained the logos of gambling companies and alcohol companies, you know, which are both also sort of like, you know, anti-culture, anti-religion, because, you know, in this case, the ideas of culture well, and religion become money. conflated because they've got the money. So, well, you know, I'm just sort of like, okay, so you'll you'll don a jersey that that has that, yeah. but you won't wear something that just encourages people to participate because that's all it is. It's yeah. just encouraging people to participate. Yeah. But look, the good thing is, this is what I told you before as well, is we have the combination of being religious and also being gay. So it's kind of good that we kind of like, I also, whenever these things happen, I kind of like, I react, obviously, I was fucking pissed off. I was, um, you know, that's it. But having said that, we always do take a step back to kind of justify and reason out a little bit and con have conversations again about the religious side of things. We're doing it for inclusion and we're doing it about for inclusion for gay people in sports, queer people in sports. And if it is just that as a theme, and if you use your reasoning of being religious and cultural, and you're saying that I don't want to done this mini stripes, so you're saying you don't want to promote inclusion of queer people in sports. And that was all it was meant to promote. It was just meant to promote and make it more friendly and support queer people in sports. If you cannot do that, that's not religious. I just think that's, you know, that's not non-tolerance, really. Well, no, really what it is, it's just straight up homophobia. I mean, Sorry like... for all my mental blank there. <laughs> I had a moment where I didn't really know what you were saying, but like I, I, know, I, picked, I, could see I picked up on it like, on the end. In the middle there, I was like... Have, is Sorry, I having... had a bit of mental breakdown. Oh, the I, I, I could see it's it. It's like yeah. 3 p.m., okay? okay? So shut up. Would you like a psychiatrist? <laughs> I'm fine. I've got, I've got a long black here. Thank you very much. Um, I think that... Um, What's what kind of like just like really pisses me off is that it's just homophobia. And very often people disguise their homophobia by being like, oh, you know, no, it's not that. It's it's my personal belief. It's like, whatever. Nobody's asking you to believe in us, bitch. You know, we exist as a human type. We exist as a type of people. We are human beings, the full human beings. Do not want to support that. Do not want to support just the idea that queer people are fully human. It's just straight up homophobia. But you do know that I always say the same thing. Is the fact that when it comes down to the root cause of it, this one, this topic keeps cropping up because people don't truly believe that we were born like this. I get that. And I get and that. People like, believe that we chose it. I get that. But you know what? I mean, I know I don't get that. <laughs> no, <laughs> because like, it is coming from the no, same like, hetero society. It comes from heteronormativity. And like, no, I get that that's what they believe. And I get that that's what they want to believe because it's not their experience. But like, fuck off. Who the hell cares whether you think it's a choice or not a choice or whatever. We know that, as Lady Gaga said, we're born this way, <laughs> which makes us inherently better in every single way, by the way. But also, I think that what essentially what it comes down to is this. Whether a choice or not, it's none of your fucking business. If what, whatever somebody chooses to do 
with their life or whatever somebody does in their, not choose, whatever somebody does in their personal and private life is none of your fucking business. If you don't believe in air quotes, in gay people, in queer people, in trans people, in lesbians, in bisexuals, in intersex people, whatever, in like, you know, in asexual people, pansexual, if you don't believe in any of these things, then don't be any of those things. If you want to be, if you want to be like anti these things, be that for yourself, but don't be that for the world. These players, the thing that disappoints me is this, if they feel so strongly, they're like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to. Because it just pisses me off. I'm just like, it's annoying. And, I, and I'm going to move on to another issue after this. But I'll tell you this. The thing is this. If those seven players, if they really feel like, oh, no, it's not something we can support, don't be a homosexual. Like, it's mm. simple as that. You know, don't go and like, fuck oh, a man. Know like, a lot you of know. them are quietly doing the dirty on the side. So I mean, that is the unspoken dog. secret, isn't yeah. it? Oh, my God, I tell you. But another thing is this. They're a part of an institution, right, which which has over the years been incredibly homophobic, but also now has moved towards wanting to be open, accepting, you know, inclusive, wanting to change its narrative around particularly like, you know, the very toxic masculine way of of sort of of existence, um, of promoting the sort of toxic masculinity. So when you sign up, when you sign these contracts, you are signing up to those values. How hypocritical that you will sign up to those values and that you will play just as long as nobody knows. But as soon as the institution says, okay, now we're going to put, we're going to make a symbol. We're going to put a thing on you that sort of expresses this thing that you have signed up to. Then you say, oh, no, 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 sorry, I'm not gay. It's like, fuck off. You know, like I can't deal with it. It's too much. I know. I think, I think what you nailed it on the head already. I think you're saying that if you're trying to fight to be inclusive, that's what we're all doing. That's all we are asking for today. We're just asking for the respect and the tolerance and the inclusion. We just want to walk out. We want to do anything and we want to feel safe. Yeah. That's it. If the uh, players were being asked to have gay sex openly, then you're against it religiously. <laughs> I think there you go. That nobody is, is fine. Yeah, nobody's like, <laughs> then you can object. Nobody's holding go a razor to you. Like what everyone <laughs> no, nobody's holding a razor to you and being like, go and like, you know, fuck a man. Like nobody's saying that. Yes. What people are we're saying just saying is, put a fucking stripe <laughs> on your t-shirt and just get it and like go about your normal day. It's not that big a deal. And it's also, not. you know, I mean, these bitches, the thing that really pisses me off is that like there's you know there, there are a number of gay men who you know who who look up to sort of this this, this physical well gay men straight whatever like you know men who are just people who are attracted to that sort of physicality who are like oh you know they're so whatever they're beautiful and they're like so beautifully built etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. and they love that shit yeah they do they take that attention bitch yeah. like they take it all the time and not just that they queer bait in a big way yeah if you look at followers we for know a example, lot of baits in our life hundred <laughs> percent so it's just like we do hundred percent so yeah. it's like they're baiting we know some people big ones too. <laughs> they're baiting people <laughs> and they're literally just like they're happy to do it they're happy yeah. to do it for the followers they're happy to do it for the likes they're happy to do it for the monetization yeah. but they're not going to just step out just to make a young queer person feel yeah. like they are okay we just want to feel safe and we just want to feel respected wherever we are that's yeah. it but and the thing is like I'm sick of like kind of this thing where this this we're always asking. Have you ever noticed that? I know. Queer people are always asking. It's like the issue of coming out. It's like we we never go into circumstance with sort of a sense of surety. And I'm sure that a lot of people listening can relate to this. And like think about this in your own life if you're listening. 
when you walk into a circumstance, as much as you say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here, I'm queer, get used to it. You know, that's, you know, the old expression. And I know that that's sort of like the, the sentiment that we would like to put out into the world. But very often, actually, we're asking for permission to step into spaces and we're asking for, we're asking for acceptance or we're asking to not be an inconvenience to somebody's existence. And that's the thing that, you know, at some stage it has to stop. Like we have to just be able to walk into spaces, just exist without having to excuse ourselves yeah. for being an inconvenience. I mean, I, how many times, all of you who are listening as well, and how many times have you felt, you know, almost like your queerness is an inconvenience? But also that, on top of that, everyone's talking about you. Everyone's wondering if you're gay. I mean, maybe some are more obvious and some are not. But it is, it's a point where you know people are whispering about you if you're different, um, if you move a certain way, or oh, I'm being judged. And that's why it goes back to episode one where we said you constantly have to be brave yeah. and you constantly have to be desensitized towards a lot of these things in order for us to just have our blinkers on and do our thing. Yeah. If... And and we we're normal human beings too. We get tired. Like I can sense the frustration. We sense the frustration <laughs> everywhere. But I think Alok put it well. You know the one that we shared with each other yesterday. Yes, Alok Menon Alok. is an influencer from New York. They are an incredible intellectual. Just you know, very much at the forefront of, um, in particular, you know, trans and non-binary rights and and, queer, and, and, so and um, the queerness. Uh, there was a reel that they shared yesterday and um, it said the words were, uh, we're constantly here to make straight people happy and comfortable. And at what point do we ask ourselves to do it for your joy or for, your, for the joy of queer people? But we're constantly working to the heteronormativity discomfort and Where's the point where we stop and say, no, you know, I want to do things for myself. But this is the thing that I had to explain to my parents as well. We'll get into that a little bit more, but it kind of like segues into that as well of, you know, the moment I decided to take myself to ask, to put me first and you kind of like let your emotions out and, you know, you want to put, make your stand and you want to say, this is what I stand for. This is who I am immediately for people in general or friends or family. It sounds selfish. Well, look, I mean, we're here now, bitch. So let's talk about what happened with your parents. Sure. So, you know, um, for those of you that don't know what you don't, because I know. <laughs> um, so Joel, in the lead up to this, um, as a background before Joel jumps into the story, um, Joel has had multiple conversations with his parents about uh, his queerness and his existence in the world. Uh, he did not speak to his parents about the podcast before it was going to become a thing. For those of you who are people of color, you well, know that your parents... we shot this beautiful flamboyant campaign and I still hadn't chatted with my no, parents. No, no conversation. But for those of you who are people of color, you know that, like, you know, your parents... Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, migrant populations, your parents are a very, very big part of your life. So, and they can't... I mean, I'm still scared to get tattoos in certain places to tell my mother because I feel like she'll <laughs> slap me and I'm, you know, I'm 35 years old, this whole thing. But I think... You literally that, were trembling at the tattoo parlor, so let's I not was even, absolutely terrified. Especially when I asked him to get one in the finger, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Anywho. So the point is that in the lead up, um, Joel's parents became aware of the fact that this podcast was going to be a thing um, and wanted an explanation, which led to a journey. Tell yes. us about the journey. 
Um, I think, I mean, being that it was a very long story, we will try and shorten it a little bit to like all the important bits. The So we had already obviously done our campaign. Uh, we shot the um, cover for this uh, podcast and we had already recorded a, a few episodes as well, just kind of like practice runs. And I kind of knew that I was due to talk to my parents about it. I'm sure a lot of people can relate, like you said, colored parents. You know, we can be as brave as we want in the world. And then our dad or our mom pulls us up and all of a sudden we're fucking like this, <laughs> hiding. And so I had that situation where I really needed to once and for all. Um, so just a little bit of background. I am openly gay. I've always been, and I've always been proud of it. I have told my parents before, I've come out to them, but like a lot of parents, maybe you might relate, our listeners as well, is um, it was kind of like a half acceptance. It was kind of like, a, I accept, however, I don't accept these certain things or, you know, the rest I accept, but let's never chat about it again. So you're kind of like one of those, it was one of those open-ended conclusion to that discussion when I had when I was 21. And so it almost felt like I needed to have a complete conversation and kind of revisit the subject that and that I hadn't wanted to revisit. Um, a lot of things were, in a lot of ways, it was also my fault because I was kind of fearful of having this conversation just to kind of like revisit all emotions and, and go back like, to that. I'm going to have you pause just for one second okay. there. I don't think ever mm -hmm. that it is our fault. I think that as oh. queer people, we take on that responsibility. Maybe. But I don't I just I just want to put it out there that I don't think it was You know, fault. to some yes, you are right. However, I think this is the <clears throat> this is the young Indian boy in me who is very kind of like respectful of the the cultural parental aspect. And again, when I went back to see my parents, I, I was again, very careful of how I was putting the message across, I was massaging everything. You know what? I had every right to be very angry. I had every right to, you know, like anyone else tell my parents, fuck off. You're not accepting. Um, you know, I'm going to take a hide and I'm going to do whatever I want. But I love my parents and I have a lot of respect for them. And I have a lot of respect for the sacrifices, the love, the way we were raised and, you know, sure, I'd wish that the acceptance would be a little bit different back then when I came out, but this journey kind of had to happen and it was very beautiful when I left because it just taught me, a, uh, it opened my eyes to a few things that, you know, even I learned along the way. So my parents accepted when I went back, I had to go back to Perth to talk to them face to face. And my parents, it was a journey. I spoke to them and I kind of like broached the subject about, you you do know that I'm still gay, right? And keeping in mind, being someone who has been very open about my queerness and being um, open about my lifestyle, I have never once posted I am queer on my social media. I've never once said I'm a queer man and this is what I stand for. I've done everything else. I mean, I'm wearing heels at Mardi Gras. I have my sequin top everywhere, but I've never once had the courage to do that. Not just because of courage, but again, out of respect because I didn't want my parents to find out, my extended family to ask my parents because I had never dealt with the root cause of it. I went home and I brought it up straight away with my parents. And we had a very good conversation because for the first time I felt like at my age being 34, I brought along a very different kind of maturity to my own subject. And my parents had, had having seen my growth from when I was 21 to now 34, they knew 
this son is gay as hell. <laughs> there was no way this son is going to get married to a girl. But my parents were also open to listening to what I had to say. I had to, I, you know, I, I did a lot of um, going back in the past to explain to my parents about how, how, I were, how I grew up, the experiences I've had in school, the bullying that I've been through. And uh, I, I shared this in episode one as well, the being driven to take my life and what was the re true reasonings around all of it. I spoke to my um, dad and I told him about, you know, you were being a dad. You were, you know, telling me how to man up. You're telling me how to be masculine, how to be masculine the right way, how to not hold that back. And I'm like, again, I was, I understand what you were doing. You were doing the hetero dad thing and you were trying to make me more and more masculine even though that was not what I was meant to be or that's not who I am you were trying to make me play soccer which I can't even kick a ball like the ball would fucking pass my leg so I didn't belong in that arena and he was very good to revisit every little situation and for my parents to also in turn apologize and say that you know we really didn't know how you truly felt we didn't know how you were feeling through this period and it was also the um i've never once held a grudge against them i've never once said that i blame you for all the things that you made me go through or um, for having to keep quiet for this long i never saw it that way I've always just let things go because of my parents being my parents. And I've always forgave and my parents in turn, you know, having said that I, this was my experience, my parents had also, when I came out when I was 21, even though my parents never accepted the full spectrum of the story, they never once kicked me out of the house. They never once told me that you are not our son again. You're not our son anymore. Um, or they never once showed me the door. And I never left as well. I had the right to leave as well. I had the right to just say that you you are not accepting and I have to pick up and go. And we reached the point where, you know what? I just told my parents right through the end of it, once all the acceptance happened, I told them that being gay is just who I am. That is part of my personality, part of my DNA, but I'm still your son. I've always been myself from young until now. And the love that we have for each other has superseded every single thing. It has, I've seen how you've loved me. I've loved you in return. And, you know, even though 21 years, when I was 21, I didn't feel the full acceptance of that, but we were met, we managed to kind of like, it's a, let's not speak about that, but you know, let's carry on with our lives, but I'm going to love you regardless through everything else. And I left um, with a lot of peace. I left with them prepped that, you know, Fags and Fendi was coming out loud and proud. And um, it just kind of taught me how much my parents had grown from when I was 21 to 34, as much as I had grown and become more confident in my skin as well. And to me, it was really important reflecting back uh, the beauty of having that conversation and my parents being so receptive to listening. And I know... I don't take that for granted as well, because I know a lot of people that haven't had that experience or have had experiences where their parents were had kicked the had kicked them out. And so I'm thankful for that. And I kind of want to 
in a way, encourage a lot of our listeners, especially from the cultured background, to first have a conversation with your parents. Have a true conversation about, um, you know, sit down and have the respect. Sit down and have the respect of having a conversation if you feel like your parents are receptive. Because I'll, I can't just say that and then not acknowledge people that have been kicked out by the parents or who don't have a close-knit relationship like me and, you know, things have gone the other way for them. So I'm very thankful and I'm very grateful for the experience that I've had. So I've come back a lot stronger and I've come back, you know, having the family by my side and I feel whole again. I just feel complete. And that's what I was telling you. Segways into Beyonce's album coming out. <laughs> well, having said that, was once this is released, Beyonce's album would be out. So we're going to be reviewing it in the next episode. We will definitely, <laughs> we will. But, you know, I was listening to, um, I was just listening to sort of everything that you're saying and taking it in because I realized that, like, you know, parents, people of particular generations are a product of the way that we choose to, well, not the way that we choose, they're a product of society. Our, our parents, you know, people who have particular views in particular on queerness. And I do still feel like very often, even so as queer people, that it's always our job. It's a form of trauma. And we have to often live with the trauma of doing that. Because what we do is we take a step back always because we place in front of us the feelings of the of of our parents for example okay. where most young people don't do that most young people are aware of the fact that their feelings in many instances particularly with their parents are paramount their feelings are the feelings that matter the fact that they are hurt or happy or whatever you know they a lot of people sort of get to place um, you know, if, if they're from sort of these healthy, loving relationships that you talked about, get to place their their joy or get to place their, you know, some element of of the of sort of the, the the happiness that they feel in their lives in the hands of their parents because they create that. And we do get that for sure. But I think that as queer people, very often what we do is we take that responsibility. Mm. We feel like we have to broach a subject. We feel like we need to, you know have respect to earn respect or very often we're asking for respect or we're asking for a particular type of response again and and i get it and i think that i think that we live in a world where where we must do that where we must you know do what we need to do to get by but again it's a type of survival response in relation to the way the society works even when we talk about issues it's like of you masculinity. said where we're constantly explaining ourselves we are and i think it's but it it goes beyond that. And I think it comes back to issues of when we talk about the binary, for example, we talk about gender binaries. You know, we talk about how, you know, if you are uh, born male, a cisgendered male, a cisgendered female, or it's an assumption that you're a cisgendered male, cisgendered female, and that you must exist in the world in a particular way. That to be masculine means to be a manly sea eagles rugby player who refuses to wear a rainbow flag, you know, <laughs> rainbow stripe on their jersey. Like, you know, like that's what masculinity looks like. It looks like like a ruffian behavior. It looks like, mm. you know, knocking each other around on a field or whatever. I mean, there's so much homoeroticism, even <laughs> if, like even within heterosexuality. I mean, if you think about like locker room jokes and, you know, people smacking each other's asses and all that, it's like, <laughs> you're a bunch of fags. But the thing, but the reality is this. They're not is, fags in Fendi. They're not fags sure. in Fendi, that's for sure. They're fags in jerseys, apparently, that, that have rainbow stripes on them. But they I don't think, have rainbow stripes. They don't have rainbow stripes on them because they're not playing. <laughs> Sucked in, bitch. Um, but I think that like, that's what we need to sort of like, 
get to the heart of. Like as a community and as people, this is where we stand in for each other. And this is where it's important to start to sort of appreciate these intersectionalities between our different identities. Would you say this is a pressure that um, queer colored people, um, is there more of a weight? I I believe, I believe that, I mean, there's definitely pressure across the community, but we cannot deny that there are levels of privilege even within the community. Hmm. If you are... Um, you know, no offense, y'all, but if you're a white gay man, <laughs> the world is just a little bit easier for you. And I say that because I say that because honestly, you know, there's there's just more spaces for. But people I say like that, that just taking it back to my story, I say that in terms of even how you view your, you know, your relationship with your mom, you're always kind of having to put. Would you put her feelings ahead of you? And, of course, exactly. And, and I think that the thing is though that no, actually, that's that's an interesting question. See, the thing is that you don't really put your parents' feelings... I, if I was a straight man, mm. if I was a straight man... There's very would, impossible that would be <laughs> so. <laughs> I wouldn't talk about my brother. But if, if I were a straight man, like I think that it would be perhaps more equal. I wouldn't have to be as aware of certain things. And I see this because I have straight cousins, right? But I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to be as, as apologetic like what you said, you said, you know, one of the, you, you said when you were talking, you said one of the reasons why you've never put out into the world that you're a queer man, for example. And I had to do that actively. So I, I get that. I mean, I had to come to a point many years ago now where I had to actively put rainbow flags in places and like, and I still got friends who are like, oh, I'm not that kind of gay. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's important, right? So like, I feel like you know, so many people are getting the chopping block. Like today. literally they should all be cut. But like, <laughs> I remember I had to actively put in places that I'm a gay, but you know, I've been in a relationship for a long time so that I know that I had that as well, which is a form of mm. privilege in a way because I had that support. I've had the support for 15 years. Mm. It's not been easy, but it's, you know, it's it's been one of sort of the, the foundational things of my life. But I think that the reason we don't do that is because, oh, you know, we're apologetic for the discomfort that we will cause our parents just for existing, just mm. for existing. And I kind of, you know, I've I've had this conversation with my mom because mom and I are, you know, we're very close and we've 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 had um we've had our own journey uh towards understanding this. Um, because, you know, she she grew up in the islands. She's um she's also Fijian. She grew up in in a time when people didn't really understand this, even though there were gay people everywhere, there were queer people everywhere, not just gay people, just generally queer people. Um but the reality is that a lot of the time you are just just you're like so sorry that you exist that's i mean that is i agree you know that's that. a harsh reality that may that straight people don't want to hear and perhaps you know you're right in our communities particularly if you're a person of color if you're a person of color in australia if you're the product of you know migrant because you parents, hold the weight of your parent you hold the weight of, of your, your family community and your community your and your community. culture because every single time we answer not just for ourselves but for everybody yes and we take it on you know yes. and that's why we have we have a lot of issues i think the biggest thing that my parents come came to realization was exactly what you said was the fact that i had been carrying around the trauma of feeling like they were disappointed in me. Mm. And that was truly, it was not even being gay that angered them. It was the fact or upset it or disappointed them. What they felt disappointed was the fact that I'd been carrying around the feeling of they were disappointed in me because I'm queer, but it is only natural. It is, 
is what we all carry around. We carry that around so many years. And for me to put it back, it's the truth. This is what I carry around. These are the scars we walk around with. And for me to put it back to my parents, they were broken inside. They were but, like, this we is, but this is the difficulty, though, generally within within sort of, you know, the relationship of queer people with their parents, and in particular queer, queer people of color with their parents, is that first you come out and they're like, oh, fuck, now nah, I can't be gay. Like, you know, what's, oh, you can't be a lesbian, you can't be bisexual or non-binary or whatever, you can't be trans because, you know, what will the community say? So that's, you know, that's step yeah. one. And then you, you know, ingest that and you feel hurt about it. Then if you ever say again that you were hurt about it, it's like, oh, how, how can you be hurt about it? And then it's like, oh, well, why didn't you tell me? It's the, it's always, it's as if you're always being volleyed back your trauma. So every time as a queer person, you try to express your trauma, it's kind of thrown back at you in a way that's kind of like, oh, you felt that way? How dare you feel that way? And it's like, okay, like it, it becomes heavy. It becomes heavy. And that's why I think I'm having such a strong reaction to this Manly C. Hugo thing. Because there is a young queer person somewhere in Australia or in multiple places in Australia who are people of color, who are looking at these people who have set themselves up to be examples and role models and public figures. Mm -hmm. And they are saying to this young person, you're fucked up. I can't support, I can't support who you are. It's like, it's not your job to support who they are. It's just your job to make people feel like they're human. And they're basically like, nah, can't do it you know and and that really pisses me off and it it just upsets me because what it means is that we will continue to face the same thing you know the highest level of suicide in this country and like in most countries yeah. are queer people who belong to faith based institutions yeah. that is a reality and if you go further into statistics you will find that the majority of those people are people of color or migrants from migrant communities why is that it's because we continue to make ourselves feel like we aren't people. Mm -hmm. And if somebody doesn't feel like a person and if they feel like they have to constantly apologize for who they are, eventually they just feel like maybe it's better if I'm not here. Mm. And that goes what, back to what Charlie felt in the last episode. That's exactly yeah, what it is. It's a hot stopper. But I tell you what though, <laughs> that's why it's we have to as a community continue to stand up and just push back and take space we have to start to occupy space in a way that says we are truly unapologetic about who we are. Mm. Y'all can say like whatever you want to say. You can have whatever opinion you want to have. It doesn't change who we are. Mm. And we're not going to back away or apologize anymore for being here. Mm. We're not going to apologize because we can't be any other way. Mm. This is the reality I of our existence. that was the other thing that my, my mom asked me, kind of genuinely asking. I feel like your um, the queer voice is very loud today. And I feel like everything you've said to me is kind of like it's coming to me very loudly. And I was like, this is years and years of being quiet and being bullied and being clipped and being told to, you know, tone it down, do less of that, be quiet. And I was like, now I'm voicing it all out. I'm just telling you exactly what we carry around and um th and that's why it's very good to belong to a community to so. share just pick up the phone and share with your friends what you're feeling at the moment i know a lot of people are feeling the heat of the manly sea eagles and um i just saw 
um, the online merchandise is sold out. All the jerseys online. I love online. that. Thank so, you, everybody, for beautiful. buying that. Beautiful. Ah, that's so good. <laughs> it's an ugly jersey, but whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. We'll go not out. It's online. <laughs> <laughs> I will wear it just because I don't even wear color. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I think that, um, as you said about community, it's just important that even within our communities that we support each other. It's important that no matter where you are, if you are a, I, I, look, this is a direct message. If you are a gay, white, cisgendered male listening to our podcast, I want you to understand that you have a very particular responsibility because you have the most privilege of all of us. And I think that it's important for you to acknowledge that privilege. Just this is my privilege also just to be a gay male because I know that I have, I have people, I have friends my, who, are, who are trans, people who are non-binary, even people who are bisexual, who don't have the same privilege as I do, who, go, who face a certain type of discrimination that I do not face. I am also aware of the fact that even as a person of color, there's even differences and different privileges and in, in, intersectionalities in that as well. If Were I a black man, were I a black queer man, I would face very particular very specific concerns. Mm. All of these things are important. We must know this about each other so that we can, in acknowledging our privilege, we can lift each other up and we can strengthen each other. We must never again tell another queer person, whoever they are, however they identify. I've been asked if I'm non-binary. To be honest, I don't know. The reality is that I don't, I don't really subscribe to the idea of the binary. But I tell you this, anybody who whether they are non-binary or not, if, if somebody chooses to express themselves in a particular way, if somebody chooses to, you know, wear the clothes of, of another gender, which is so outdated anyway, the idea of gendered clothing. You know, if somebody chooses to wear makeup, if somebody chooses to be loud, if somebody chooses to be just unapologetically and, you know, culturally and whatever, just queer, we must never again tell them to be less because we have enough people in the world telling us every day that we shouldn't even be here. So if somebody wants to take up the space, take up the space. That's all I got to say. I feel like he's expressed enough for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we're running out of time. We are we? running out of time. But before we go, can I just say that Beyonce's <laughs> album comes out on my birthday. It comes out on the 29th your of July. What are we going to do for your birthday? Oh my God, probably have a Beyonce listening party. We're inviting all excited. our listeners. No, <laughs> <laughs> we are so excited about Beyonce's new album. I cannot tell you. Beyonce always comes on at the right time when we need a little bit of motivation, need a bit of a lift of a spirit. 100%. You know, that bitch said, you, <laughs> Don't you call won't that break bitch. my soul. She's the queen. <laughs> but, you know, nobody going to break our you soul. You know, I will say this, like in, in a segue to Beyonce and ending, is I was listening to Be Alive flying to Perth and coming back to Perth. And those lines never rang true, especially the first three sentences where she says, I have my family by my side and I can't wipe this black off if I tried. So... On that note, we cannot wipe our gay off if we try. No, cannot. You cannot, definitely cannot. <laughs> and know what I want to is all I have to say. Know what I want to. But thank you all so much for joining us again for another episode and of comment and, and um, keep in touch on our social media. We're getting it going for you. Yeah, look, we want to hear from you. So, you know, share your stories with us. We're looking forward to sharing more stories. Because remember, guys, we are just, we are a voice for you. We are speaking 
on behalf of you. But in order to do that effectively, we need to know what everybody else is thinking because this is one opinion. And like I said, we acknowledge the intersectionalities. We acknowledge the fact that we're all different. We acknowledge our privilege and also the fact that there are those who are more privileged than us. Let's talk about it. Let's have this conversation. Tell us what you think. Let us share your stories. And you know what? Let's just, let's make this a movement. Join us. And we're going on TikTok for you Gen Zs. <laughs> I feel Gen Z. I am officially yeah, transgenerational. I'm Gen Z about you. On that note, thank you. And we'll see you again. Bye, darlings. Bye.